0: Welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. This week, we are in a series called Fear Less. The phrase, don't be afraid, appears in the Bible more than any other biblical command, and for good reason. People of all generations have struggled to trust God when facing difficult or scary situations. Join us for Fear Less and learn from the biblical stories that can help us face our fears with faith. Well, good morning. I love that uh, illustration of our fears, you know, just crumbling down like the walls of Jericho, which we're going to look at this story in just a minute. I'd like to begin, though, uh, telling a story that I know some of you were here, have heard before. I told it probably 10 years ago, and um, maybe since then I don't remember. But there was an occasion where I was staying at a cabin of a friend of mine. This uh, guy would let me use his cabin three to four times a year. I'd go there for about a week. I would pray. I would prepare for the future plan and things like that. The cabin was located in the middle of nowhere. It was like on this mountaintop area. It was flat at the top, but from there you could see for miles. You could see mountains in the distance and rivers and things like that. And I used to go and just, I would walk and walk and pray and, and plan and everything. Well, one day I was at the cabin And I was walking probably further than I ever had before, at least away a distance from the cabin, maybe a mile and a half, maybe two miles, maybe more than that. But I was just kind of walking along when suddenly I saw a small opening in the hillside, just a, a little hole there. And the question came to my mind, is that a cave? Now, I have to admit, I was kind of looking for maybe a cave. This looked like an area where there might be caves. I have always wanted to be the person to find this cave that no one has found before, you know, to get in this cave and find writings on the wall and and things left behind, you know, artifacts and and, and so I've always been fascinated by that idea, and this looked like a cave. And so I made my way over to it, and sure enough, behind some of the growth that was there, there, was, there were some shrubs and some other growth that were blocking most of it, but sure enough, there was an opening there. And so I pulled out my phone, and I got the flashlight app back then. It was like a separate app you would get, and I, I looked inside the hole and saw that there was a cavern in there. And I realized, well, oh, this this looks like a like a cave. And so I began to question whether I should go in. Now the hole was just big enough for someone my size to squeeze through. And so I looked around to make sure that there were no bears in there, you know, and no bats and no spiders. Those were the three things they did not want. I didn't want to be like a bear meal or anything like that, if there's anything in there. So I looked, and it looked all fine, and so I, I slid through that hole, plopped on the ground of this, this cave, and I began to look around. It was about 10 feet long, maybe 15, but it went back about 15 feet, and I began to walk toward the back, and um, I realized almost immediately that my little flashlight was just not going to cut it. I needed. I need some serious light in here. It was completely dark in there. And so I decided to go back to the cabin. I, I squeezed back out. I made my way back to the cabin. I got this huge flashlight that he owned. And I came back, and I jumped back into this cave again, and I began to work my way toward the back. And when I got toward the back of the cave, I was surprised to discover that it wasn't actually the back as I thought it was. When I got near the back, almost to what I thought was the back, the floor of the cave went straight down about five feet all the way across. And I saw that there was water down there, a stream or a small river, and it was flowing further deep into the heart of that cave. And so I wondered, well, should I jump down there? No, it was about five feet down. I'm about five, eight give or take and maybe take is more accurate and i wondered whether or not i could get back up if i jumped down but i decided to do it there was a little bit of a ledge there a dry area so i jumped down began to slowly work my way back and when it came to the question of whether to get my boots and everything all wet i decided well maybe i maybe i don't want to go back there and i got a little spooked around this time i just felt so alone so vulnerable there, and so I jumped back out and I began to explore the rest of that cave, that first room I had come to, and and as I looked around, I noticed that toward the back of it there was a wooden beam, and it um, it looked dark on both ends of the beam as if it had been burned by something. But then when I went over with the flashlight, I discovered no, it wasn't burned. It was tar. And suddenly I put it all together. This isn't a cave at all. This, this is a mine. Like that, that's somebody, somebody left that there, a railroad tie in there. This, was, this is a mine. And I was so disappointed. I had just been so looking forward to discovering something in there. And then I find out, oh, it's a mine. And it wasn't an official entrance to the mine. It had just caved in in that spot. But again, it was invisible unless you were kind of almost kind of looking for it. Now, when I first shared that story, maybe 10 years ago, 8 to 10 years, whenever it was, when I first shared the story, afterwards, someone came up to me and they said, you know, you could have died in there. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, don't you realize there, there are sometimes poisonous gases in, in mines and in caves? You know, carbon monoxide, you can't even smell it. You'd be dead before you even knew it hit you. Or methane. Methane, um, if you get a spark with methane present, it'll blow up the whole thing. Well, those thoughts had never occurred to me. It never occurred to me. All I was afraid of at this time was bears and spiders and bats. It never occurred to me that I could actually die in this cave. And now, ever since I've thought of that story, I've been kind of, I'm grateful to God that nothing happened to me, but I've, I've been properly sobered by it. Many of you know that in the olden days, uh, miners used to bring canaries into the mines because uh, a canary has a metabolism that I guess is very sensitive to air quality. And if they brought in this chirping canary and it was doing fine, uh, they knew it was safe. But if it, it stopped singing or if it wobbled or if it fell in the bottom of the cage, they would know they needed to get out of there right away. Now, as I've reflected on this story over the years, I realize this is what could have happened. Nobody knew I was there. I was completely alone. I was far from the cabin. The owner did not know that this even existed. And I, I'm i pretty sure they wouldn't have found me. This was before they could track cell phones clearly. I mean, they'd have some idea where I was, but they wouldn't be able to, to find me there, and it's kind of a scary thought that that could have happened. Now, today we're wrapping up our series titled "Fearless." Less. Uh, it's, uh, it's based on a book that I'm hopefully going to be finished with real soon involving stories, biblical and personal stories about fear and whatever, and we've looked at some of the resources that God has given to us to help us fear less. We'll never be completely fearless, But I think we can fear less. And so the first week of the series, we talked about prayer, and we talked about how Jesus just prayed all the time. I would have thought if there were any person who ever walked the earth who wouldn't actually need to pray, it would have been Jesus. You know, he's walking along, he's walking in step with his Father and with the Spirit in him all the time. And yet he valued pulling away, getting alone with God, and praying. And I believe that the prayers he prayed often helped him face things like the crucifixion. And then we looked at the promises that God has given to us. God's word is filled with amazing promises, if we would just learn to claim them. This is one of the reasons I encourage people to be reading their Bibles, because you come across these promises that God has given, and they're remarkable. Starting, of course, with the promise that whoever believes in him and Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. God keeps his word. He keeps his promises. And if we could grab a hold of those, I think it would help us deal with a variety of situations. You know, for example, we're fearful about our finances. Jesus said you don't have to be, and he explained why in Matthew 6, and this could go on and on. And then we talked about God's presence, that if God is with us, we don't need to be afraid. And he is with us, and I'll demonstrate that again before we're done here today. But the disciples were afraid that they were going to drown, despite the fact Jesus was in the boat. It's kind of a ridiculous thought. What on earth is gonna happen to that boat if Jesus is in there with the disciples? Nothing. And yet they were afraid, and we are as well sometimes. And then last week, as Adam alluded to, I talked about the, the role of the past in helping us to have courage in the future. God has been faithful to us in the past, but we need to remember. And so in many places in the Bible, God said to the people, remember, remember, he said, don't forget. And when we're facing various things, I think we need to stop and just reiterate the ways in which God has taken care of us in the past as a a predictor of what he's going to do for us in the future. But today I want to talk about, as we wrap up this series, just the role of other people in our lives to help us with fear. My takeaway is we don't have to face our fears alone. Now, for some reason, we choose to unnecessarily carry our fears. And I believe the reason why, or at least for for me, I think one of the biggest reasons why I don't want to tell you my fears is that I'm embarrassed that I'm afraid in the first place. I'm embarrassed to admit well, this thing scares me i don't you know I don't want you to say to me, Well, why are you afraid about that? You know there are things we're afraid of and and so we don't want to invite other people into our lives, but we need other people as we'll see in the story today, we need other people to remind us not to be afraid and in In my opening story here, I needed other people for two reasons: one is that I was legitimately in danger. And wasn't aware of it. If someone had been with me when something happened to me, then I could have been saved. But I was on my own. I mean, I'm tucked back in this this cave back there. But second, I could have had someone with me to sort through my fears. Because the truth of the matter is, I was thinking, are there black widows in here? Are there bears in here? Are there bats that are going to... You know, don't they have like rabies and so on? Of course, they won't get stuck in my hair, but... As, you know, I still I had fears. I had fears, and I carried them alone, and most of the time I do. But what if we could get to a place where others can help us, and, and I think that would help us greatly. Now, we're going to spend our time today looking at the story of Joshua. Joshua. And Joshua is known for a couple things. Number one is he was the guy that led Israel into the promised land. He was like the commander-in-chief of the army, and he was the one that led Israel to fight various battles as the people began to take over the promised land, the land that God had promised to give them. And so he's known for that, but something else he's known for is the first battle he fought. Because that battle was the Battle of Jericho, and it's one of the most unique battles that's found in the pages of the Bible. It's just very unusual. It's a very unique battle, and it was intentionally different, as we'll see in a minute, why God did it this way. But today we're going to spend most of our time on some conversations that took place right before the Battle of Jericho. Because as we're going to see from these conversations, there's a theme that keeps popping up. Time and time and time again. In fact, before I'm done, you're probably going to think he's going to read. Is he going to read another verse about this? And that theme was, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, that particular message, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. The Lord your God is with you. That particular message is reiterated time and time again. It was a message that was spoken by God. It was a message that was spoken by Moses. It was a message spoken by Joshua. It was spoken by the people of Israel. And they were all encouraging each other to have some courage because Israel was about to face some kind of scary situations, and they needed to be reminded about this. Now, Moses knew that the people of Israel were going to be afraid. And for the past 40 years, he had been the one that was leading the Israelites, of course, through the wilderness. The Lord used him to, to lead them out of Egypt to remember and, and, and to the promised land. And they were going to take the land that God had, had promised to give to them. But it was time for Moses to, to die. God had told him ahead of time, you're, you're done. And, and you need to pass on the work now to this Joshua guy. But Moses knew the people were going to be afraid. He knew that the prospect of these battles was going to scare them. And so let's begin with what Moses said to the people in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6. He said, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Moses then summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you will go with this people into the land the Lord swore to give their fathers. You will enable them to take possession of it. The Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. And then skipping to verse 23, a few verses later, The Lord commissioned Joshua, son of Nun, be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land I swore to them, and I will be with you. By the way, people joked about Joshua; he's the only guy in the Bible that had no parents. He was Joshua, son of Nun. Some of you'll get that eventually. But do you see the theme here? It was Moses commanded the people, "Don't be afraid." don't be anxious, don't be afraid, be strong, courageous. And then we find him saying the exact same thing to Joshua. He's looking at Joshua, you, you, don't be afraid. Have some courage, the Lord your God is with you. And then in the next reference, the Lord himself and his book is speaking to Joshua and he says exactly the same thing, be strong and courageous. It's because God knew that the people needed those words. They needed to hear that time and time again. And the basis of their courage in these verses would fit one of the other talks that I did on this subject related to God's presence with us. Because if we look at the verses again, and as I read them, I want to ask you, on what basis is he saying, don't be afraid? And in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 31, he said, be strong and courageous, don't be terrified or afraid of them, for it is... Oh, the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. That's why we could have courage. Moses was saying, the Lord is going to go with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you hanging to dry. He will be with you. And then two verses later, Moses said to Joshua, the Lord is the one who will what? Go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. So don't be afraid or discouraged. And so it's the same message, it's because the Lord is with us. He didn't need to be afraid. And then the next reference, again, the Lord said exactly the same thing. In Deuteronomy 31, 23, The Lord commissioned Joshua, son of Nun, be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land I swore to give them, and I will be with you. That's the phrase that makes all the difference. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that if our God is with us, we do not need to be afraid. I know we still are. I know I still am. Now, Some of you are wondering, yeah, but how do you know the Lord is with me? Well, he's told us that in many places, but one of them is in the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 13, 5, and 6. Where the writer of Hebrews said, your life should be free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Now, if we could get this in our hearts and minds, I think it'd make a a big difference in our lives. If we really believe that, this is the promise God has given every believer in Christ. I will never leave you. I will never leave you hanging out there to dry. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to put you in this place and then back away. I'm I'm going to be with you to the end. I will be your helper. Therefore, he says, we can boldly make this statement. If the Lord is with me, what can happen to me? If the Lord is with me, what can anyone do to me? Now, if we could rest on that, this is one of these promises. I think it would make a difference. But let's continue reading the story. Shortly after Moses gave these marching orders to Joshua and the people, and I'm going to be leaving, and he's taking over and all this, then we read that the Lord spoke directly to Joshua. It's found in Joshua 1, 5 through 7. We read, No one, the Lord said to him, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you, just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or forsake you. Are you beginning to see the theme? I think this is repeating, just repeating over and over again. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you and skipping to verse 9 the lord continued have and i commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid or discouraged for the lord your god is with you wherever you go why all this repetition i mean i think most people reading the bible would just kind of read over that and then you know not put it together wait a minute this is how many times Why so much of this reiteration of be strong or very strong and courageous and don't be afraid and this and that? And it's because Israel was at such a vulnerable point in their history at this very moment. You see, 40 years later, they stood at the exact same place they were standing on this day. They were getting ready to enter the promised land 40 years earlier. And you remember that they became afraid. And the Lord said, you go in and you take possession of the land. And he said the same things. I will be with you. I will go with you. I will fight your battles. But the people did not believe. And so they rejected what the Lord said. And they rejected the Lord. And they disobeyed him. And they ended up wandering for 40 years in this wilderness region between Egypt and the promised land. So for 40 years, that's what their life was like. Well, now we're in exactly the same position. They're getting ready to enter the promised land. Between where they were, the town of Kadesh Barnea, and where they were going, which was the city of Jericho, the River Jordan separated. But once they crossed the Jordan River, they were going to be in this promised land. But there was a very real potential that they would be afraid and discouraged, that they would not believe that the Lord was going to be with them. And so all this repetition time and time again. Now, after the Lord said that to Joshua, then listen to what the people said to Joshua. They answered Joshua, Joshua 1, 16 through 18. The people answered Joshua, everything you've commanded us, we will do. Everywhere you send us, we will go. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses in everything. And may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your order and does not obey your words in all that you command him will be put to death. Above all, be strong and courageous. Courageous. They took it upon themselves. The people took it upon themselves to encourage Joshua because this, this is what the people wanted as well. This is what people want from a leader, someone who's strong and courageous, they recognized so much was riding on this. What if Joshua became discouraged? What if he became afraid? What would happen to the nation of Israel? And so they stepped in at this point and encouraged him because he needed encouragement as well. And so as I look at this, I see all these different ones, all these different parties, all encouraging and making sure that we're not afraid. Because, as our takeaway today is, we don't have to face our fears alone. Notice what they said at the last part of Joshua 1.18. They said, above all, be strong and courageous. That's what they were asking above everything else. Now, after the people encouraged Joshua then to have courage, God did something really remarkable, something really wonderful for Joshua and the people. He parted the waters of the Jordan River. Now, that event was very, very significant because that had happened 40 years earlier as well. You may remember the people of Israel had come out of Egypt. They came to the Red Sea or what's called the Sea of Reeds. The Egyptian army was in pursuit of them, and they had nowhere to go. And then God parted the waters of the Red Sea. And you remember the people walked through on dry ground. Now we come to this part of the story, and God did exactly the same thing for Joshua. I mean, the message couldn't be any clearer that the God who was with Moses is now with Joshua. And the people made their way across on dry ground. And the first city that they were going to come to, as I mentioned a moment ago, was Jericho. Now, God gave some very unique instructions to how to fight this particular battle. Again, there's no other one in the Bible that's like this one. In Joshua 6, beginning in verse 1, we read, Now Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites, no one leaving or entering. So it was just locked up tight. The Lord said to Joshua, Look, I've handed Jericho, its king and its fighting men over to you. March around the city with all the men of war, circling the city one time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horn trumpets in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the trumpets. When there is a prolonged blast of the horn and you hear its sound, have all the people give a mighty shout. Then the city wall will collapse and the people will advance each man straight ahead. And this is exactly what they did. You start with seven priests, and these priests were supposed to each have a ram's horn. So you got seven horns in the Bible. By the way, there are two types of horns that are mentioned. One of them is a metal horn, like a silver brass horn type thing, and the other was a ram's horn, a shofar. And these priests, seven of them, were each to have one of these horns. And they were instructed to walk in front of the Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant would have been behind them. The Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence among his people. And when the priests began to blow the trumpets, the soldiers were supposed to walk past the Ark of the Covenant and the priests and go to the front and begin marching around the city. And then behind was the rest of the army. And they were told to march around the city of Jericho one time. And then go back home and they were to do it six days in a row and then when you get to the seventh day they were told march around it seven times blow the trumpets let everybody shout the walls will come down and everybody will rush in now why well you should have noticed as i was reading this the number seven appeared time and time again number seven is the number for completion but it's also the divine number the number six in the Bible is the number of humanity. You remember people were created on the sixth day. In fact, that number 666 you read about in Revelation, it's, a, it's pointing to the deification of humanity. 666, people were created on the sixth day. It's an unholy trinity of the last days. But the number seven is God's number, and what this is all supposed to communicate is that this battle it belongs to the Lord every bit about it this this is not going to be fought in a normal way and why because god wanted to demonstrate to the people that they could trust that he was going to be with them this was a battle that he alone was going to fight and the people just basically they just needed to watch and see what happens when the walls came down of course they charged in and, and and ended up defeating the enemy But all along, even in the telling of this story, we find that other people were involved. And so you've got the Moses encouraging Joshua, and the people encouraging Joshua, and Joshua encouraging the people, and the Lord encouraging them. And this statement time and time again, I will be with you. And I love how everybody came together so that together they might be bold, be strong and courageous. Now, if this is where it ended, um, there wouldn't be as much of a talk here today but it's what happened next that demonstrates this idea that we need to be reminded often about this thing about not being afraid the things will continue to come in our lives and we need other people as we move along after they defeated jericho they decided to attack another city or the lord directed them to attack this other city called ai And it was a tiny city. It was so much smaller than Jericho. It wasn't fortified like Jericho was. And so they took only one-tenth of their soldiers and they went and fought this city. The problem is that they lost. They were defeated before this tiny little town. Now, can you imagine how demoralizing that would be? The people of Israel just got over to the Promised Land. They celebrated this tremendous divine victory. And then the next little town they go to, they end up running for their lives. People lost their lives. And suddenly it's like they really became so terrified. They they realized that if other nations over there in the promised land heard about that defeat at Ai, they'd all come together and wipe them out. They were scared to death. Now, why did this happen? Well, because somebody named Achan stole some things that didn't belong to him. God had told the people of Israel that with Jericho, you're not to take anything for yourselves. Most of the battles that Israel would fight, they were allowed to take spoils, the spoils of victory, whatever they found, gold, silver, anything else. But this first battle, God said, this is my battle, and I, the victory is mine, and you are not to take anything for yourselves. It, it was considered to be what's called under the ban, it was to be completely destroyed as a sign of God's victory, but you weren't allowed to take anything. And God specifically said, "If anybody takes anything from this city, they themselves will find themselves under the ban and will be destroyed." Well, this guy named Achan, he came across a Babylonian cloak that was really nice. Say, so, this is really nice," you know, and he found some gold or some silver coins, shekels, two hundred of them pile of silver coins and then he found a bar of gold and he coveted it and he took it all back to his tent and he buried it all he thought no one could see what was going on and then israel goes to attack this little town of ai and they're defeated and joshua then goes to god and says why did you do this you said you'd be with us you said you'd fight for us you'd protect us and we lost and god's response was basically what why are you talking to me about this I mean, if you read it for yourself. It's, 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 he's basically saying, why are you bringing this up with me? Look within your midst. Find out what happened. And they discovered that this guy had stolen these things. And that's why they lost the battle, because God saw what had taken place behind the scenes. So Joshua went back and attacked the city of Ai a second time, and they won the battle. Before they attacked, God said this to Joshua in Joshua 8.1. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid or discouraged. Take the whole military force with you and go attack Ai. Look, I've handed over to you the king of Ai, his people, the city, and the land. Once again, God was reiterating this message. Don't be afraid. And then after that battle, there was another battle and they defeated the enemy on that occasion. And then Joshua said these words in Joshua ten twenty-five. Joshua said to them, the people, don't be afraid or discouraged, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God will do this to all the enemies you fight. Now, let me mention some applications here. You you think, well, what do I do with this in my own life? Well, first of all, I'm just reminded with this story just how often people needed to be reminded and Joshua needed to be reminded that he didn't need to be afraid. And I think this would be the case with us as well. There are times in my life where I'm afraid of something and I deal with it by the grace of God or maybe with the help of someone else, whatever, I deal with the fear, but then a little bit later it comes back again which is often the, nation, the nature of things. We need to be reminded often of this. Don't be afraid. As things happen in our world these days, don't be afraid. As things happen to you, you feel like you're on your own, don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. He has not abandoned you. And, and this reminder is really good, which brings me to the second point, and that is that we need people in our lives to encourage us not to be afraid. In other words, we need to have relationships with other people, ones who will come alongside, ones that we can be open enough about what's going on in our lives and share these things because it'll help us. It will encourage us. Many of you know that the word encourage can be translated or understood to mean to instill courage and encourage. It's instilling courage in people and It's really helpful when people do that in our lives. And again, oftentimes we don't want to seek someone else. The writer of Hebrews, though, put it this way in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. He said, let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do, but, and here it is, encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As we get closer to the return of Christ and things are going to get bad in our world, and many of us are afraid as we look at all the things that are happening around our world today, we need to encourage one another. We need to remember these things. We need people in our lives who will tell us, God is with you. You know, you do not need to be afraid and will help us. And then the final application I'd like to offer in terms of this whole series is to ask yourself the question, which of these areas, these resources that God has given to me do I need to grow? Where should I put some energy? Is it in prayer? I think some of us maybe need to spend much more time praying. Stay with God. Stay in your relationship with God in prayer until you get to that resolution point where you believe what he says is true. This is why we encourage people to be developing a devotional life and get to know your God. For some of us, it's promises. And again, we encourage people, if you, have, if you read your Bible and you pray regularly, you are going to come across promises. And when I come across them, I mark them in my Bible. Sometimes I'll write them out on a three-by-five card so that I'll have it with me because God is faithful to his word. He loves it when we claim his word. And so some of us maybe need some promises that relate to exactly what we're going through. Like, again, if you're afraid, related to finances, Jesus said you don't have to be. Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will be taken care of. I understand it takes faith to believe that, but God's promises are amazing. For some of us, it's just the reminder that God is with us, his presence is with us wherever we go. For some of us, it's reflecting on the past. When you face something, to think, when was the last time I faced something like this? How did the Lord take care of me? How did he protect me then? Because it's a predictor of what he can do in the future. And then finally, other people. We just need other people in our lives. That's why we encourage community. Get involved with other Christians because i think the more we go on in this life we're going to need other people all the more as we get closer to the day when christ comes back let's pray father i want to thank you for the example that we have of joshua and just the reminder we don't have to be afraid thank you that you're with us thank you as the apostle paul said you are for us that we are indeed children of god through faith in your son jesus Help us, though, to recognize, oh, Lord, which of these resources would be most helpful as we move forward. The next time we're afraid, give us an opportunity to remember these things, that we might be strong and courageous and trust that you're with us wherever we go. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.